Hi there, ladies and gents. It's uh, Dan from Adventure More UK. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Catch on the Flipside. Uh, today's special guest is a adventure thrill seeker. Uh, also was a finalist on Series 2 of BBC's Ultimate Hell Week. My guest is Miss Katie Pirate. How are you? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I am great. I'm absolutely great. Um, it's nice to have you on, like I said, uh, you know, before we start recording. Like, It's nice to have, uh, to have someone... Uh, a bit different uh, that someone like because obviously I've got a lot. Of, I'm not going to lie. I've had a lot of uh, males on the on the show. I've got one female coming yeah. on, on an episode that's coming out uh, soon. But uh, it's nice to to, uh, to have you on. I know as I've said before, we we, we tr- spoke a little bit uh, on Facebook and stuff like that because you know we're we're on uh, we're friends on Facebook and things. Um, but what I want to sort of get people to get an idea of you is uh, obviously we'll talk about things like I said in the intro about um, about the Ultimate Hell Week and stuff like that. Um, but first thing I want to talk about, um, when you was younger, so a child basically, when you were a child, mm-hmm. was something like, did you think what you were doing now or what you do now was something that you would have done when you was a kid? To be honest, no. Um, so I've, I've always been a, a bit of a tomboy. So I did, um, I was a scout instead of a guide. Um, so I've always been into sort of the outdoors and I did a lot of sports at school, but what a lot of people don't know is throughout my childhood, I, I did a lot of musical theater. <laughs> so I actually had my, okay. my, um, my sights set on, on going to the West end and, um, you know, becoming like a, a theater star. Um, it, I ended up not pursuing that, um, career in the end just because, um i think i grew out of it a bit but yeah most of my childhood i actually spent on stage singing and dancing which i think a lot of people would find that quite surprising now (laughs) yeah i think i i I didn't obviously i didn't know that um obviously we'll go into what you've done obviously from then on obviously and and think about that now people will be surprised that that's what you've done you know as as a child and when you got a bit older i mean i have Um, grade eight in ballet i mean that's a complete really? opposite yeah. of sort of everything I do now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's. Um, I, I, and to be fair, again, we'll go into it, but I think definitely thinking about it now, you would probably want to want to do what you're doing now and what you have done. Oh, definitely. Ballet. I was crap was that, at ballet that, anyway. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know what grade eight is, but I'm assuming that's pretty good. It's, yeah, it's high. Yeah, yeah, that's I, I was gonna say. My my niece does ballet, and you know, I, I and she's on she's on the eight. You know, she she does that. But yeah, that, that's something I didn't know about you. That's uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, oh, I don't. So yeah. When you said you, yeah, <laughs> when you when you was at school, you say like you did sports and stuff. Was it was like I'm for me like I I was like jack of all trades. Like, I used to just do everything. Any any sport, I would you know I'd dab and that. Is there anything particularly you you did that you did well? Um, I was a bit like that as well. Whenever it came to sports day, I'd be the one signed up to like 10 different events. And even being, you know, like one of the smallest in the year, I'd be the one chucked into high jump and hurdles, yeah. uh, mainly because no one else really wanted to do them. But I would just sort of volunteer for everything. Um, I was captain of the school rounders team and also captain of the football team as well. Um, but like you said, I, I sort of played yeah. everything. I was in, played netball, played hockey goalie, um, athletics. So did 800 metres. Um, 
yeah, just I just got involved with everything really. Yeah, yeah, it, it seems to be quite a common common theme. Like I, I spoke to a lot of sort of adventure type people over the last few months, and uh, that that that's kind of seems to be a case. Like a lot of people just basically do everything, uh, and obviously then specialize along the line uh, down the line. Um, so obviously we'll talk about a bit what uh, you've done uh, more recently, and obviously like I said, Ultimate Hell Week, but. Um, I'll read in that when when you were seventeen. So I'm sure, would, would you have left school at sixteen or is it eighteen? Because I know it's you're a bit younger than me, so I wasn't sure. Uh, what, so yeah, I went on and I did school, it was sixth form. Um, so I yeah. ended up leaving school at eighteen after my A levels. Yeah. So obviously, before that, though, when you were seventeen, you actually made a trip out to Nepal, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, Luckily, I went out there with, there was a few of us from school that went, actually. Um, and we sort of did trekking along the Annapurna range and volunteered at a, uh, a school and helped build a fence and try to teach the kids some English, um, which was an amazing experience. But frustratingly, the year before, there was a trip to do Everest Base Camp, so I would have been 16. And um, I went to an all-girls school, and this was going to be a joint trip with our sort of brother school so the, the an all boys school also yeah. in bristol um and unfortunately i was the only girl that wanted to go um so unfortunately okay. they, they wouldn't let me so i'm still gutted to this day that i missed out on on heading to everest base camp at 16 but i still got an amazing trip the year after anyway um and it kind of i suppose it, it helped set off my my love for the mountains and hiking and um my adventurous side i suppose kind of came alive on that trip yeah 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 so when you went to nepal uh was that a personal trip or was that uh part of school it was it was part of school yeah yeah so what so see when i was at school like i went to a town not far from me uh doing like looking at the Ro roman artifacts and roman ruins and stuff yeah. i just i find it interesting now because most people that know me like they'll know i pre-covid i work with children uh doing like mm -hmm. outdoor education and stuff like that um and I, I hear children going like they go skiing in the alps and they go walking in the you know some people like myself gone to the himalayas and they've gone to the andes or wherever it may be and i'm just like is that is that the norm nowadays like i, I didn't do that as a kid i went about 20 miles up the road to a roman ruin so um, is that is that something it was nowadays. i mean it was quite a few years ago but yeah i i do yeah. consider myself very lucky um like you said i got to go skiing every other year with school as well um went to america with school um yeah it was i was i was very very lucky i got to go on some really good good trips yeah yeah it, it, it's uh that kind of like you say got you sort of that adventure sort of vibe in you know to do what you've done from them uh which brings me on to obviously ultimate hell week now <laughs> as i mentioned earlier for people that have watched my podcast i had danny bent on who did the first series of uh, ultimate hell week obviously you took part in the second series uh and i believe was it in south africa it was filmed yeah so obviously the first series was in brecon and when applied yeah. throughout the whole application process, we thought it was going to be in the same location. 
and it wasn't until the the final sort of boot camp weekend selection uh with the final sort of 50 of us that we got told oh by the way it's in south africa and at that point i was like well i need to get picked now <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, so what was kind of the process of going through obviously applying for the show to actually getting you know standing standing in south africa so first of all it was just like an online written application then i got invited to uh the bbc studios in london i had to go through probably like an hour-long interview that was filmed so kind of a bit of a screen test and then from there as i said 50 of us got picked to go along for a, a whole weekend boot camp which had fitness testing team building exercises a swim test a medical and a psychoanalysis um and then from there i think it was yeah three days later i got a phone call to say oh uh, we're sending you some boots uh training program and we'll see you at heathrow in five weeks time at that point i was just like oh god <laughs> what have i got myself into because <laughs> um i just felt totally out of my depth going into it i um hadn't really done anything that mad before and I, I, I was into fitness, but I, not not to the extent I am now. So I knew it was going to be a massive shock to the system. But I was I was yeah. up for, for seeing how it would turn out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, five weeks isn't that long, really. So, you know, these guys, the guys who do it, you know, for real, they, they spend, you know, six plus months, like years, some, some of them. Obviously, yeah. something that people always want to do when they join the military. Um, so how, what, what was involved? Like, what was your training sort of for, uh, in five weeks? Like that, that's, you know, like I said, it's not, a, it's not a long period of time. So a lot of that was sort of breaking in our boots, um, and then slowly yeah. building up running or, you know, walking with weight on our backs. So <laughs> I, I'd be found sort of running around Bristol in, in military boots and a pack on my back <laughs> looking a bit yeah. nuts. Um, but yeah, I, I just went into this this weird sort of very focused training mode that I hadn't been in before, mainly because I didn't want to look like an utter idiot on TV by not being able to do anything. Um, and yeah. I suppose it was one of those once in a lifetime chances that if I'm going to do this, I'm going to give it my best shot and do it properly. So I did follow the, hmm. the training program quite religiously. I had lots of swimming as well. Um, and yeah, just, just generally trying to do a bit of strength and conditioning um, for what we're about to face. But obviously said, like you said, five weeks is, isn't that long. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Five weeks is, like I said, is not long at all. Um, so you said, you, obviously you were into sort of fitness, uh, like back then, but was it any particular, was it just running or swimming what, what kind of fitness did you do before hell week um just yeah generally sort of running i i wasn't that crazy into it um i'd go to the gym i'd go running i'd do hit classes um just sort of generally keeping fit and keeping in shape i wasn't particularly into anything uh that mad at the time i just i enjoyed keeping fit um for health health reasons and yeah to stay in shape i suppose yeah yeah um so i know it's kind of it's kind of difficult uh, but 
I was going to say, obviously, a lot of it is a mental game. Like a lot of obviously, the body has to be really you know physically fit. But as from from people that I know who've done selection and pe- talking to other people, like I said, like Danny and stuff, it's majority of it, I believe is is a mental game. So how did can you do training for that? Is that isn't is that even possible? I know what you mean. Yeah, it's um, like you said, you you can prepare yourself physically for these things, but mentally is a lot more difficult because it's not like I could ask someone to spontaneously kidnap me in the middle of the night and then and then see how I how I dealt with it because you know, that's not going to happen. Um, so it was, I I personally didn't do any sort of mental prep for it. Um, all I knew is. I just wasn't going to give up at any point. I I decided that before I went. Um, but in terms of mental preparation, at the time I didn't I didn't do anything. I think now that I've you know I've I've been through um, that that series. Obviously, I know it's nothing like actual selection. It was basically just getting thrashed for two weeks, um, which yeah. yeah, it's totally different. But and and also having gone on to do ultra marathons, I'm now sort of well rehearsed in in mentally preparing myself for things that I know are going to be uncomfortable, and I can now get to that point where I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, I yeah, always yeah. tell myself it's gonna it is going to be hard and it is going to hurt and you're going to be tired, but it is always going to end at some point. And having that sort of end in sight is something that that really helps me. And I kind of I visualize finish lines and I visualize um, that sense of achievement that I will I will get if or when I finish. And that is something that, that does help me mentally prepare now. And I, I kind of wish I'd known that before, but it was a fun adventure going into it totally blind and just seeing what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, as we'll talk a little bit after, in a bit, like, but you did really well at it. Um, you got through to the final uh, final final um and was it there was four this is something that again i wanted to bring up because obviously in the special forces obviously there's there there isn't uh you're not allowed to be uh apply if you're female um and i think you can now actually it's open can i think can you actually apply apply to be in the scs i didn't know that like yeah it's it's something i I learned all right that's something i learned I um I, I was under the impression you couldn't uh, join as a as a female. I, again, you should be able to. I, I I believe you should be able to. You know, I've met you know females that are a lot fitter and stronger than a lot of people I know, uh, and obviously to that level as well. Um, now that must you must have you know because there was I think there was one of was it the Australian SES guy who was from the first series, but the others were from they were new weren't they? They were new from the first series yeah so we had um the south african reckies the polish grom mm. the american green berets the f- uh south korean sort of navy seals equivalent uh the french yep. gign which is like urban war crimes and then the australian sas yeah did, did did you find any of them more harder than the others um in terms of the 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 guy training us, I didn't like the Polish Grom. <laughs> he was quite right, terrifying, okay. actually. And um, 
uh, he kept making comments like women do not belong here um which is always helpful when you know you're you're face down in the dirt in the middle of the night getting thrashed um but the uh, the hardest episode for me was was the third episode which was with um the american green beret um it was for a number of reasons it was it was it was really tough um and i genuinely thought i was going home at the end of it um so i was yeah. quite surprised when i then made it through um to the fourth episode and I'd always said to my friends before I went out there, I said, if I get to the fourth episode, I will be so happy. I'll, I'll be over the moon. Um, so then when I was still there in, in the sixth and the final one, I just, I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, I, I never, I never went there to try and win. And quite a few people have said to me, oh, you gutted that you didn't win. And actually, no, not at all, because that was never my intention. I went there on, on more of a journey of self-discovery, as cheesy as it sounds, but I wanted to see how I would cope under those those physical and mental strains. So in my eyes, the fact that I'd, I'd got so much further than I ever imagined I would, in my eyes, I had won, like I'd won personally. Um, and that's, I, I think that's why I loved the experience so much, because it it then revealed this physical and mental resilience that I never knew that I had. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's definitely something that I know I've noticed a lot of people say because end of the day, like I don't think there'd be many situations where you're going to push yourself that hard in that situation, uh, like sort of yourself. You're always going to be a bit sort of reserved. I feel like I, I know from my own point of view, like I I couldn't. I've pushed myself harder than I was in the military mm. nowadays because there's something about being under that kind of pressure that puts your mind and put, puts your body a bit more sort of pushes that extra sort of 10 20 percent yeah um, you just keep going so yeah. and you're like where is this energy come from <laughs> I haven't yeah, slept yeah. in days <laughs> yeah I, I can I can totally understand that I know not <laughs> not obviously on that level but I, I remember when I used to do cross country at school um and on like long distance running events that was that was my thing at school and i remember i used to be able to sort of i don't know where i could be the, the most tired i've ever been in my life the hardest race i've ever been in you know and i've raced up to sort of national level and cool. the last two yeah so the last 200 meters i would like absolutely sprint my little legs yeah. off and then i think to myself, how, how where's that come from like yeah. about you know, four seconds earlier, I was absolutely knackered. I couldn't do anything. I was nearly puking my guts up. But then the last 200 metres, I could I could probably give uh, Usain Bolt a run for his money. You know, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, the body is, but, a, um, is, a, is an amazing thing. It is, it is. And and, and I, I read an article about, you know, you heard of Eddie Hall, obviously World's Strongest Man. Mm. Um, he, he was talking about when he pulled... Uh, when he deadlifted 500 kilos, obviously oh, most normal people can. Yeah, yeah, so it's a lot. That's insane. He, he did that a few years ago. It is, it is, it is it, it's, it's wow. crazy amount of weight. And I remember him saying how, when he went and seen, he had to go and see all these psychologists because as strong as he was, he could never get to the 500. He was always stuck at I think about 460 something, mm. maybe 470, and 
he had to go and see a psychologist and psychiatrist and all that sort of thing. And they were saying there's a, a, a like a stories where, you know, like him being as strong as he is can use sort of 70% of his muscle fibres, uh, obviously with the adrenaline that he has with the event. But then he was saying there's stories of like, you know, uh, mums lifting a car off the ch children, uh, you know, you know, in a in a serious accident, and able mm. to lift a car off the kids, and they're able to use one hundred percent of their muscle fibers to do that. And obviously, these people, you know, s you know, similar to yourself, you know, they they sort of just slender, normal, you know, women, and they're not they're not strong women, as mm. in in the in the sense of it. And and that's something that I feel once you put under pressure, when it's life not life or death, but it's there's that connection there to sort of release, like I said, that extra 10, 20% of your muscle fibers or, you know, your energy. And that, I don't know if that's something that is uh, something you've done before, um, but that it's just something I've heard and I read about, um, which I, I want to bring on to, I read, I can't remember which episode it was, but when they put you into a coffin, the episode, no, that, that was the that third episode. Me. Yeah, I thought I thought it was. Yeah, um, and about was it? I think you probably admit yourself. Was that a, a point you nearly sort of broke and cracked and you know? No, you actually, know, it was. You? It was the day yeah. after. Was it not um, that? Yeah. No. Okay. So the coffin, I didn't mind at all. Actually, um, okay. I actually thought, ah, oh, this is a bit of peace and quiet. It's the first time I'd been on my <laughs> own for for um. <laughs> like over a week really um yeah so yeah i i ended up having a little nap in that coffin um they then decided okay. to wake me up by by pouring water into it <laughs> um but no yeah. that that was fine it was um fine who says that um but no it was bearable it was then the next day so obviously i got singled out for for that coffin uh shenanigans so i hadn't had much sleep that night compared to everyone else in the dorm. Um, then the next day I got picked as a team leader um, for an, an exercise over sand dunes. And we, um, it, I mean, it was so hot. It was, I think it was near 30, mid thirties, high, high 30 degrees. Um, mm. And we were given a, a 90 kilo dummy a body which i i affectionately named steve <laughs> and <laughs> then a couple of logs and we had to build a stretcher and then we also had 25 kilos on our backs as well personally yeah. and then we had to navigate over the sand dunes and along the way pick up extra bits of kit and one of them was was a huge crate just full of sand and i just remember being so so snapped because i was like why am I carrying sand whilst on sand dunes? <laughs> it's just, just totally pointless. Um, so yeah, we were in two teams, and I think by by the time we'd picked up all the kit, we were probably carrying about three hundred kilos between six of us, and I only weigh sort of fifty five kilos, so near enough my body weight on the sand. It was just awful. Um, I don't think I've ever felt that broken before. And we then 
had to get all of the kit once we'd navigated had to get all the kit over and under and a little obstacle course and then we thought we'd finished and they said see that giant sand dune get everything to the top of it and unfortunately my team lost um and yeah just i remember getting to the top and just collapsing and feeling utterly exhausted and disappointed and convinced that that was me done um it was, yeah, a horrible, horrible day. <laughs> yeah, it, is. it sounds like it. You mentioned, also they give you the team leader sort of role. Um, is it something you've naturally been? Have you, are you a natural team leader or is it something you don't really like doing? Um, I think naturally I, I'm always sort of one of the louder characters. Um, and yeah take up sort of leadership roles so at school i, I actually ended up being um deputy head girl um hmm. so yeah and I, and I loved i loved taking on that role um and yeah like i mentioned i was i was captain of a couple of sports teams um but i think for me leadership is about it's not about you personally i think it's a it's about your ability to bring out the best in a team um rather yep, than yep. rather than being like hey look at me i'm the best it's it's about bringing everyone together and um looking at strengths and weaknesses and making sure that everyone has the chance to shine and and bring their um best attributes into a team setting yeah yeah no i totally agree like i, I know for myself like when i for instance, when I first left the military, believe it or not, I was not a leader uh, at all. And I mean that, I don't mean like in a selfish way. I just mean I was very shy and very self-conscious of, uh, and people know my background, uh, which I won't go into again, uh, so they know where I'm coming from. But um, I, I've grown into being that character. And I think it comes from a particular experience. Now, for yourself, is it? did you feel like, Obviously, I know you mentioned at school you're a, you're a captain of certain sports and stuff, but did you kind of grow more into a leader sort of role or, or characteristics of a leader after you've finished uh, Ultimate Hell Week? I think I um, that's a good question. I think possibly not a leader of other people after it, but I think I turned more into I wanted to lead myself better um I I personally don't think that you can you can lead other people until you know what you're capable of and you know how to conduct yourself and lead yourself in certain situations and you can then pass on those experiences to other people and I think that's more what I kind of um snowballed into was okay, I've done Hell Week, um, what else can I do? Um, and that was, yeah, as I said, more about self-discovery and, and yeah, leading, leading myself into more uncomfortable uh, situations. Mm. Yeah, so um, I was going to ask you what you... So what you kind of learned from being on Ultimate Hell Week, like did, so for instance, when you got there, did you realize afterwards, 
uh, that you were physically strong and mentally stronger than you probably thought you was or was or did you did you surprise yourself yeah 100 percent um as i as i mentioned i didn't expect to get as far as i did by any stretch um i was yeah the smallest there um the second youngest i was only 24 at the time and we filmed it um mm. and yeah just i had no real expectations and i think that's probably what what helped get me through actually is i was just just took each day as it comes and went let's just try and get through another day um get yeah. some sleep wake up tomorrow and just do it again um i didn't go into it thinking i'm gonna win this because i never thought that i would <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, so I no, guess I, I didn't I, have I, that I, I pressure see. on myself. Yeah, I think the small goals, are, you know, the short-term goals is something that is, I, I, again, I, 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 just a quick sort of uh, thing that I do with children. Like, So when I teach rock climbing, for instance, we'll look up, they look up at the uh, climbing wall and I'll say to them, like, where, where do you want to get to? And then you always get the confident kids are like, oh, I want to get to the top. I'm like, right, okay. But then you'll get the, the ones that are not so confident and I'll say to them, look, and if you can get your feet off the floor, that's great. Then look at it and go, look, what, take yourself up to that black line, then get to the halfway. And I always say, I use the staircase method. I, I, that's what I like to call it, staircase method. So I always say to them, look, if you want to set yourself a goal, this is obviously in, in any sort of situation you can use this, is just imagine your goal is right at the top of that staircase. And on that staircase is small little steps. So each of them steps is a small goal that you need to, you know, to complete or achieve to get to that big goal. And obviously I always say, look, what, what happens if you take too many steps at once? And people say, oh, you might fall and slip. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. So if you go you try and go way ahead of yourself, then you may slip and fall and you'll end up back down at the bottom or at least a few steps back. But if you keep walking up them steps, you're going to get there eventually. And I think that's something I've learned over the years. And again, it's one of the things I love uh, talking to kids about um so that's that's something you know hopefully people who are listening might be able to use that analogy uh that's something oh, I absolutely like using. it's um and that's actually so relevant to to my current situation um you mm. know i'm i'm now nine weeks post uh quite a large knee reconstruction and so yeah. many people have said oh you're gonna be the worst patient ever because you'll want to you know, the day after you're up, you want to go run an ultra marathon. Um, and like you said, it is all about those small wins. And actually, I'm being a, a much better patient than I thought I would be. Um, yeah. I am taking that one step at a time. Um, and I suppose trans translating that um, sort of dedication um i had to my normal training regime and and using that in my rehab as, instead um mm. and yeah like, like you said if, if i went and tried to do too much right now i could end up with a a, a busted knee made out of cheese string again <laughs> which is something i don't want yeah, yeah. so it is it is all about those small wins like i've just been allowed to, to squat is. with a kettlebell and i'm like woohoo that's success yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I can understand. Like again, the people that I've spoke to over the last sort of number of weeks um, are kind of they're they're basically the same kind of people. We, you know, we want to get to a certain point like as quick as we can. But for instance, for instance, for me, like I, I'm the same as you. Like I had an injury where I broke I broke my forearm playing rugby, and literally like about two weeks after I got my cast off, I was like, I want to play again. I want to play. <laughs> and then not thinking about like I had no no strength in my forearm at all. I could barely hold it, like hold it up. And yeah, I I can completely understand. Um, and that's something I was going to ask you about is your knee because I know you've had a lot of problems with it. And it's mm. it, I, I was going to I might as well come on to it actually if we're talking about it. So while we're with, here, with your knee, like is that while we're here? Yeah, why not? Why not? Um, <laughs> obviously. As as I mentioned, you know, you're obviously still pretty young, like, but you do a lot, like a lot of stuff. Like I know you do a lot in a lot of long distance and, like, you say ultra marathons and stuff. Is that something? Do you feel like you've just been unlucky, or is it? You do you feel like you've gone a bit? You've pushed yourself a little bit too hard. Is there, um, is there a reason? So, I was actually on the um, commando course at the time when I got injured mm. and. It was just an unlucky injury, unfortunately. Um, I dismounted a six-foot wall with uh, 17 pounds and a rifle on and just did a mm. crap landing. Um, so as I, land, I, I landed, as I turned, and my, my knee just popped instantly. Um, yeah. It was, yeah, just a freak accident, unfortunately. And I'm yeah. not going to... Obviously, I'm going to get all my rehab done and... and do all the proper strength and conditioning and get myself back as fit and strong as possible. But I'm hopefully not going to let it stop me from, from getting back to, to ultra marathons and military training. Um, yeah. No, I don't think I've pushed myself too far. Not yet. Anyway. <laughs> not yet. No, no, definitely not yet. Not yet. You've got plenty of years and you're plenty. <laughs> uh, I'm the same. Like I said, I've got plenty of mine. Um, I was gonna because we're talking about like long like ultramarathons and long distance sort of endurance events and stuff. Um, I just want to talk about the is it the four hundred k kilometer hike you did through Bulgaria? Like, oh I, yeah, I read that so about that what you did. Yeah, that was actually um, <laughs> that was a few days after I finished filming Ultimate Hell Week. So right, okay. I, I'd already planned to do this, and um. I said to the to the production team, look, I've got flights out to Bulgaria on this date. And they said, okay, well, if you get to the final, um, you'll have you'll have a couple of days to turn yourself around and, and, and then get to Bulgaria. And I was just, you know, don't be silly. I won't get to the final. I'll have loads of time. Um, and then, yeah, got to the final and flew back from South Africa, got to the UK, quick turnaround and then yeah within within two days i was on a plane to bulgaria ready to um to do a 400k um trek along along an entire mountain range called the Rodopis in southern bulgaria so i didn't really get a chance to to sort of decompress from from hell week i just went straight, straight on to the next thing which um oh it was an amazing adventure it was you know proper wilderness there was at times there was no real tracks and it was a route well there wasn't an actual route so we had to plan it using 1980s russian military maps um yeah yeah and and gps and um yeah it was just 
it was great. I mean, for the for the entire month, we didn't see another person trekking, so it was like we had this entire mountain range to ourselves, apart from the little villages that we would stumble across, and they just looked at us like we were insane, like, what are you doing here? <laughs> How did you get here? But, um, yeah, the local people were incredible. They were just so, so welcoming, and the amount of gifts that I got given, like an apron and slippers. Um, one man tried to try to give me a puppy and I was like, can't really carry a puppy for, for the next 300 kilometers. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was pure wilderness. Um, woke up with a, a tortoise in our tent one morning. Um, had to, had to trek with bear spray in a holster. So I kind of felt like, the nature version of Lara Croft, um, sadly not yeah, quite yeah. that cool. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was it was just beautiful, and and I think actually it was what I needed after Hell Week, because um, you know quite often after something crazy where you've had adrenaline pumping through your body or a lot or you know long distance events that you've trained for for a long time, you have that sort of come down afterwards. It's been such a hype, you do it and it's amazing, and then you're done and you're like, oh, what? What have I got now? So I think it was actually quite good yeah. to just go straight from South Africa to Bulgaria and just straight on another adventure. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I'm gonna say like just like if, if personally, if it was me, like obviously I would have liked to have had a bit of rest. But did, <laughs> would you feel like in an ideal in an ideal world, would you have not liked to have had like maybe an extra week or something, or was it, um, would you would you happy just going straight on? couple of days would have been nice but i was i was quite happy just still riding on that wave of what the hell is going on <laughs> um it was funny yeah. because we had to have a phone call with the the psychiatrist after filming and he was like look katie you've just been you know you've, you've got adrenaline going through your body 24 7 for the last two weeks um it, you know it's it gonna take its toll on you you won't feel it now but in sort of like four or five days time you're gonna have a low and and he was like, i just recommend that you don't do anything for two weeks just properly rest and i was like that's not gonna happen <laughs> and he was right it was it was a few days into the trek i woke up and just went right today is that day that i feel down um so i just said to the two lads i was with i was like right just let me walk on my own today um let me you know get a super early night on my own um and yeah they just let me crack on and woke up the next day fine it was one of those weird things yeah yeah <laughs> i think that yeah you do need that sometimes and i can imagine i do talk a bit about mental health and stuff like that and you know mindset and things um now when you're on the track how, how long was the walk by the way the the bulgarian walk so we went out there for a month um, and we averaged about 20k a day. Um, so okay. total trekking days was, yeah, about 20 days. Um, we had a couple of sort of rest days uh, along the way. If we found like a really nice wild camping spot, then we'd, we'd just stay there for another day. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty full on. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um... Because I know you're quite passionate about uh, looking, obviously, uh, same for me, like looking after your feet and things like that. Because um, obviously, 
people don't realize but look obviously they're the, they're the things that are carrying you no matter what you do you don't have to be an adventurer or an ultra marathon runner or whatever it may be you could just be someone who does a nine to five job looking after your feet is a very important thing to do like and i'm i'm probably like yourself i use i use um i this is one thing i was going to ask you actually because i don't use talcum powder uh and and I'll, I'll explain why i use zinc oxide powder uh now the reason people may probably think that's the same thing but it generally isn't now the reason why i don't use talcum powder is something that i've learned over the years again being in the military and doing a lot of walking and stuff nowadays over the years is i feel like talcum powder just mushes up into it into like a into a mush and uh, <laughs> like it becomes all slimy like a paste yeah that's the one yeah it it, it sort of you know amalgamates into a paste and that actually i feel like can cause you more issues uh, especially obviously if your feet are sweating and, and all that horrible mm. monkey stuff but so i think zinc, zinc oxide i know it's a bit of a technical thing but uh i definitely feel like looking after your feet is absolutely key especially doing what you did now just slightly going back to hell week a, a, a minute when you was on the hell week, did you get time to look after your feet? As in, when I mean time, obviously you got you know a few minutes to yourself. But how how easy was it to look after your feet? Um, yeah, they did give us um, you know, little bits of downtime to obviously shower and that. And um, if anyone did have major issues, then there were medics on standby. Um, so luckily, my feet. Uh, did really well on Hell Week. Um, yeah, we used talc, um, all the the usual stuff. Um, but I didn't suffer any blisters. Luckily, one of the lads, he got really, really bad blisters, and um, <laughs> it was so funny because we were all in the dorm, and he'd gone to see the medic to say, "Look, my feet are in a really bad way," and they said, "Yeah, we'll we'll come up and see you in um in the block." And this bloke turns up in like a full noddy suit. He was dressed like a ghostbuster. And um, so we, we just all thought it was hysterical. So we started singing the um, the Ghostbuster theme tune, but replaced it with Blisterbuster um, while he had all of his, his blisters um, sort of drained and dressed. Um, I felt bad for him because they were really bad. But yeah, luckily, mm. luckily my feet, my feet were fine during that. It was actually during the trek that, I then got some massive blisters actually on the, the bottom of my feet, on my on my heels underneath. I think from... Yeah, yeah. Because we were carrying... on Once we'd restocked with, with food um, at certain points, a good 32 kilos of kit. Um, and I think I probably wasn't used to carrying that every day um, along mountainous terrain that the pressure just caused really nasty blisters on the bottom bottom of my feet, um, which I just had to dress up with loads of gauze and padding um, <laughs> to get through. Yeah, yeah. Um, with, um, obviously, going through Ultimate Hell Week, um, now, that brings me on kind of nicely onto the next part, which I'd like to talk about. With, with You joined, obviously, into uh, as a combat uh, medic in the TA for the reserve. Um, was that because of Hell Week? Did you feel like you had kind of the attributes there and feel, felt like you could do something to help uh, go into that sort of line of work? 
yeah, it was it was Hell Week that made me um, want to join the military, um, and I think I kind of fell into the combat medic role. Um, I think I wanted to learn more some skills that would be useful in um, you know civilian life on expeditions um, out in the wilderness. Um, and someone just suggested it, and I thought, yeah, that sounds good. Um, and it's it's been amazing. I've learned some amazing stuff, and I've been lucky enough to to get a six month, seven month tour in Afghan. Um, that was twenty nineteen. Um, I've deployed out to Armenia to do um, some training troops out there. Been to Georgia twice, um, more on mountaineering trips. But yeah, that that's been amazing as well i've been so fortunate in the experiences i've had within the army reserves um that it's it's turned into more than i ever thought it would be it 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 Mm. sort of turned from being a bit of a a side hobby into more of a career actually yeah And, and and speaking of careers obviously like you say you joined into the reserves i'm sure you've been asked this question before but what sort of steered you away from actually joining as a regular um, so at the time, I was finishing a master's in wildlife filmmaking, and I suppose I thought, I've just spent a year doing a master's, I want to actually give the that sort of line of work a go. I didn't want it to feel like a waste by by joining the regulars and just sort of giving up on that. And actually, I'm I'm really glad that I have stuck with the reserves and it sounds mental but I think because I have sort of that freedom to treat it as um, kind of another freelance job that I have the flexibility to say yes to to lots more opportunities um, and you know I've, I've, I've worked with a lot of regulars obviously going on tour with them um, and done quite a few regular courses as well and so many of them have said that I've done so much more than them um i guess because i'm not constrained by by a regular unit um i do have that freedom to 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 put my hand forward for for tours or courses um as long as it fits in with sort of everything else going on um, in my life so actually it's 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 worked out really well for me um and yeah I, i consider myself really lucky for all the experiences that i've had yeah yeah exactly and no, there's so many things we could talk about, um, but uh, obviously, one thing I will say is like one key thing I like about people like yourself and other sort of adventure endurance athletes that I've spoke to is just taking sort of that opportunity. Um, now, there's a saying that I've again I'm going back to talking with kids now, but people say, "Oh, you got to just find that perfect opportunity and this, that, and the other." And I, was, I always say to people, that's a load of rubbish. There is no such thing as a perfect opportunity. You've got to create that opportunity. An opportunity will, hopefully, well, unless you're very, very lucky, I, personally, I would say an opportunity doesn't just fall on your doorstep. It, it, See, I don't believe in luck. I'm similar no, with you. No, you, I don't. You, you make your own luck. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Um you know just in general life really things aren't just going to fall on your doorstep like i said or fall on your lap um 
you've got to create you know the opportunities you've got to go out there and and like i said speaking with people like yourself like it's very it's a very common theme like like i spoke to a good friend of mine uh, james ketchell who um who sailed across the uh, atlantic sorry not sailed mm-hmm. he ro- rode a solo across the atlantic and he he told me his story um people obviously can check check it out it's on a it'll be on a, a, a forthcoming episode um he spent a lot of time physically and obviously money money and obviously time to even just to get to the start line and he said that was the hardest bit for him was to get to the start line um which i think is the case in most scenarios because uh, like you say it's not just going to fall on your lap um, is that something you kind of kind of relate to yeah definitely um you know i'm in you know very privileged position to be um supported by these guys montaigne um but that's montaigne, not yeah. something that's just um you know fallen in my lap i've i had i've had to do multiple ultra marathons um and lose many toenails and hallucinate and <laughs> cry um my way through some of them um to to get that um you know quite often people people say oh how can i how can i get sponsored by monte and i was like go and run 100k <laughs> and then yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> um that's what i did that's, yeah and that's that's i think that's a common question like most people like i've asked people like yourself and you know and other people on my podcast before the same question is not from my point of view but there'll be people asking how do you get them sponsorships do you how do you get this that and the other you just got to go and put the hard work in it doesn't just come to you like p- big companies like that aren't just going to go right here's however many thousands of pounds go and do what you want with it go and do a big expedition you've got to put the hard work in um now uh, i just want to ask you last couple of things um i don't mm-hmm. want to take up too much of your time uh last couple of things so um i know you've talked about like i was going to ask you what you want to do next and some somewhere i read there's a couple of things you want to do uh, one of them being walking the length of is it Sri Lanka. Mm. Uh, one of them was it doing an Ironman, which is something I want to do. I want to do an Ironman because the main UK Ironman, uh, which is in Bolton, like I'm from Blackburn myself, uh, so Bolton's right next door. So that's something I want to do. Obviously, hopefully, you know, pre pre COVID or post COVID, sorry. Um, and I, you want to row an ocean as well, uh, I believe. So that, uh, they're three things you still got in your in your head that you want to do so i um i actually managed to tick off the iron man thing um over the summer so it it was it was an unofficial one but um mm. my old boss uh, monty halls he he was meant to do a full iron man um obviously covid messed everything up so he decided well i'm going to do one on that date anyway rang me up 5 weeks before and said Hey KP, do you fancy doing an Ironman in five weeks? And I was like, oh, why are you only giving me five weeks notice when you know I'm going to say yes? And this is part of my problem. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse, but um, I'll just sort of say yes to, to most things that I think will be a fun or unique challenge, even if it's totally out of my depth. Um, so he he planned this, this Ironman um for the Royal Marines charity, 
to raise money and it was all it was around Devon so the sea swim was um something I'd never done before I'd never swum in the sea in my life <laughs> and ended up doing four and a half k in the sea um dragged myself out like some kind of beached whale and then got on the bike the furthest I'd ever cycled was 80k and obviously this was 100 no 90k and then this was 180k with um eight and a half thousand foot of climbing so it was just a hideous yeah. route and then the marathon was a, a coastal trail marathon with three and a half thousand foot of climbing so the course he chose was was pretty disgusting um but i think i went and did it and i finished it um and actually had really good fun doing it i think because it wasn't an official thing I went into it thinking, do you know what? This is just going to be a really long day of fitness. Um, and I had some great people that supported me as well. So a few people came and, and did the bike with me. And then a couple of guys ran with me as well. Um, and we just had an absolute laugh, had music on the bike um, and just enjoyed it, which which I think was, was awesome. And it took away the fact that, you know, after 17 hours, I was... I was running like I was on my way to Amarillo. I was like that, um, just in, in so much pain. Um, but just having a having a laugh, and I think that for me, like I'm not I'm not an Ironman. I'm not I'm not a triathlete. Um, and people have such a fear of of you know that word, the Ironman or triathlon. And I guess I just wanted to take take the fear out of it, and and. And, you know, it doesn't take some superhuman to go and do it. And I hope that sort of encourages more people to, to do something that they think is out of their comfort zone, because that was totally out of my depth. Um, but I just, yeah, wanted to, to see it as a fun challenge rather than have sort of that pressure on. Um, so that's that's done. I would like to do a proper one, um, you know, yeah, the official... Yeah official Ironman thing and actually train for it <laughs> so I don't die yeah, yeah. um yeah. yeah still love to to go and walk the length of Sri Lanka um it's just a country I've really wanted to go to I think the history and the culture is just really interesting um and yeah obviously once my gammy knee is better then that hopefully will be one of the first things I do once we're allowed out um yeah growing an ocean i'm not actually sure on anymore to be honest i don't know if i'd like being stuck on a a little boat i don't know yeah. if if the right opportunity came along um at the right time then i probably wouldn't say no um mm. but we'll see it's not it's not a priority of mine i i firmly feel like I belong on land I'm a lot more comfortable on land and in the mountains that's where I want to be really yeah yeah I was going to say um obviously it seems like a lot of people have their own sort of uh comfort not comfort zones but like what they prefer so like you say you, you prefer running and ultramarathons stuff like that for me at the like I, I I prefer the swimming side like for instance so the Ironman swimming would be something I wouldn't mind doing it's this mm. the cycling and the running side of it i've done a lot I, I did the london marathon about five six years ago now oh that's yeah something I, I, I did that was a again that's ticked off my list but then i'm the same as you i've always wanted to do an iron man 
So that's something hopefully I'll be able to do one day. When are you going to do um, it? No. Ooh, good question. It all, de- it all depends on COVID, doesn't it? Everything is yeah. COVID based. It's like you can't do anything nowadays, no matter what it is. It, it's it's like, oh, when you're doing it, when, yeah, when, when we can, really. Um, if I was going to do it, it would probably be, if not this, well, next year I've got something planned uh hopefully mm-hmm. that if it goes to, goes to plan but I'll, I'll, i can i can tell you afterwards don't want to say it too much because uh, <laughs> people uh people would be like oh the, you know it's not possible and stuff like that as much as i don't listen to people i'd rather just keep it to myself for now That's um fair enough. yeah yeah so my last thing i want to ask you this is my very last thing i, I asked most of my guests this is if you could pick a perfect adventure so you'd have to pick where you'd go what type of activity and who you would go with what what would you do oh that is a difficult question because there's so many things i want to do and so many places i want to go um but quite a lot to think think about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know my brain is going a thousand miles an hour like right you want to go here 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 <laughs> yeah. um mm, perfect it, it would have to be using my my own body as as the way of of transport um yep. so because I think there's no greater there's no greater feeling of of getting somewhere knowing right my body has done that, um, yeah, and yeah. obviously it allows you to get more off the beaten tracks um, than just roads. So I think it would yeah be on foot. Um, yeah. It would have to involve mountains for sure. I'd have to summit some awesome peaks, um, and who with and where i still don't know where i've already said i want to do sri lanka do you know what i'm going to keep it simple because of everything that's been going on and we kind of take you know realize you can't take traveling for granted um right now i just want to i'd want to go and walk the length of the pyrenees with a couple of my best mates um you know nothing too mental there's already trails there just just spending time with with people that i care about in amazing scenery is it's all i want right now um yeah and that's yeah. what i'm really missing at the moment is is just being with my friends and laughing and appreciating them appreciating the world that we live in um and just that sense of freedom i suppose so i'll go for the pyrenees the length of it with yep. with a couple couple of my best mates oh awesome awesome um yeah it's it's interesting to see what people say like i know i've had a lot of people say um um like basically the uk somewhere in the uk because obviously we've got a lot in the uk that people don't realize you know and, mm. and people take for granted so uh, for me, like I'd go somewhere. Potentially, I'd go in the UK, and I'm going to mention mine again because I, I always mention mine because I'm hoping that one day you might listen and and actually 
uh, it might invite me to come with him. But I, I'm a big fan of uh, Leatherson Wood. Uh, yeah. He he's he's an awesome bloke, and I'm hoping one day I've met him, um, not in a expedition type of capacity, but I've met him at uh, one of his talking sort of events. I'm hoping to see uh, see him again this year. But I'm hoping one day he'll invite me invite me to go on one of his expeditions. So I, I, that's who I would pick. Uh, I don't know where. Some somewhere walking, like you say. I I, I would prefer doing something, uh, i.e., walking, running. But in my case, probably walking because I'm not not the greatest runner. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel that'd be good good. Um, thanks. I was gonna say thanks, Katie, for like coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Um, no, thank you for having me. It's quite it's, interesting. It's been nice to chat. No, it's, yeah, it's nice. It's nice to, to just to speak to you know different people. And for me, this is like it's me kind of like not venting, but it's kind of me meeting interesting people and and, and getting and hoping that you know people like yourself can inspire other people. Because I know obviously as everyone knows in the world, we're going through a tough time at the moment. So it's just it's just good to sort of like keep things positive and help people along the way. Because I know there's a lot of people who probably are struggling. Uh, me being, I, I yeah, have been one sure. of them. So. You know, um, so I, know. I, I really After appreciate my injury, it. Um, I was, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> um, um, one thing. So, where, where can people like? Do you do you use social media? What's what's the best way to sort of keep an eye on what you're doing? Yeah, so I'm on uh, Instagram, just katie.parrot, um, and also on okay. Twitter, which is parrot katie. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank. Like I said, what I'll do is I'll put them in the description. Uh, I'll make sure that people uh, can find you, and if they if they want to see what you've been up to, then uh, hopefully they can. Uh, you know, like I said, take some inspiration from what you do. Um, yeah, I hope so. so thank I you very think, much. Um, one final message. I just, you know, I do. I, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. I think the important thing is for a lot of people is, um, like you said, it's it's about small wins and you don't have to run ultra marathons or climb mountains or do anything like that to, to be sort of proud of yourself, but everything is relative. And that's something that I always, um, you know, say to people is for you, a 5k might be an Everest. And if you do that, that is an amazing achievement. Um, and especially during, you know, these times where everyone is finding it difficult, I think just, yeah, to focus on, small wins even if it's do you know what today i got out of bed and actually brushed my hair <laughs> then mm. take that as a yeah. pat on the back i know you feel um, <laughs> <laughs> you brush your beard um yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> just just yeah i don't i don't think people should be comparing themselves to others during this time or, or ever um and yeah just just try and keep positive keep smiling and um we'll get through it <laughs> yeah we will we will and and it's, it's a great way to sort of bring it to an end so thanks thanks katie for coming on um like i said um if you want to check out katie's stuff i'll put it in the uh, in the description i'll make sure you she, uh, all the stuff's in there uh, keep an eye on what i'm doing you know i've got more podcasts coming out in in the year uh some loads of important and uh, interesting people uh please make sure that you like the video subscribe to the channel and if i don't see you soon I'll catch you on the flip side.